Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com, and the 2021-2022 season is upon us, people. Sound the alarms. We have Halloween coming up. We have boys' state rankings about to be released, but today, coming out of hibernation, to break down the girls' GHSA preseason state rankings. Um, doing it a little bit differently this time. Obviously, if you're a subscriber to sandyspiel.com, which I would advise that you do, you get over, gosh, 12,000, 13,000 words of uh, analysis alone on the, the preseason rankings. Boys is over 15,000 words of analysis. So instead of just seeing the top 10 in each of the eight classifications. That's great. That helps out a lot. That gives you somewhat of a measuring stick as to what you are looking for. Um, But if you really want to go in depth and really figure out, okay, who's coming back? Who are the transfers here? What they averaged last year? This, that, and the other. All that information's right there. But to not go off tangent a little, you know, too much or too quick, too early. Um, in In this podcast, we're going to break down each of the eight classifications, 7A all the way down through Class A, public and private. And we're going to break it down by opening up with a little bit of, uh, you know, why the team ranked number one is where they're ranked in each classification. So we'll quickly touch on the number one ranked team in each class. Uh, And then we'll go on to a a broad storyline. What's there to kind of look for in the classification? Then we'll talk about dark horses. And then we will talk about teams that are just sitting outside of the top 10 who just miss the top 10. So with that being said, we'll jump right into it with Class 7A as we begin. Maybe a surprise for some people. We we put Campbell number one in Class 7A, a team that came out of Region 2, was 14-4 and four a season ago. Um, of course, had a very good season, 14-4. and four. You know, it was a COVID year last year. Um, they lost to Brookwood in the Sweet 16, 56-48 uh, a season ago. But why Campbell? Well, we're talking about a Class 7A um, that is wide open, and we'll talk about that a little bit in just a little bit. Um, but Campbell, why Campbell? That came as a surprise to some people, maybe. Well, we're looking at this classification. Like I said, we're talking about it in a second, but it's wide open. So what do you have to turn to? I'm turning to a team that I know has seen the best of the best. We're talking about a Campbell team that has seen McEachern and has been in a region with Westlake over the past few years. They've seen the best of the best, and they were playing them as freshmen. They were playing them as sophomores. They were playing them as juniors. Well, this is a all pretty much all senior-laden team right now. You got six key seniors. Layla Battle was an all-state pick last year, averaged 15.2 points per game, led the team in scoring. Nia Bozeman over 11 points per game. And you got the North Florida commit, uh, Sarah Taub, who was injured in the offseason, but she's back, averaged over 10 points per game. This is a team that returns everybody from last year's roster. I already mentioned this team is just loaded with seniors, a lot of guards. They attack you uh, with their pressure defense, full-court press. 
They turn you over. They have quick hands. Um, they suffocate you at times. So this is a really good team with good guards. Now, where they're going to be hurt at is in the size category. They don't have a ton of size. They have a couple 5'9", five, 5'10", five, here and there. Um, but in Class 7A, lacking size can potentially hurt. But I like Campbell at number one just with the cohesion. Uh, what I saw from them in the offseason, I thought they looked pretty good. Um, they won a lot of games, and, you know, they – they have a you know great head coach Randy McClure has been there for years, and I think it's time that Campbell, um, you know, has an opportunity to get over the hump. Now, are they going to win Class Seven A? I I wouldn't put money on any of these teams in Class Seven A because it is just so wide open, and that does lead me into our storyline portion of Class Seven A. Is the parity is at an all time high? I mean, we were looking at last year. We had McKeecher bringing in transfers. We had Collins Hill, we know loves transfers, but it sounds like they didn't get any this year. So those are the two teams that we thought were going to be the top dogs, and they couldn't get the job done, and it was Marietta that did rise to the top. So, you know, going into this year, we don't have a team that is uh, loaded to the gills like that, and it's, you know, I'm looking at it right now. We're going to have multiple number one ranked teams throughout the season. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we had four or five. I know just looking at what Grayson, who opens up at number four, they're playing like four or five teams in the top ten in Class 7A alone on their non-region schedule. Well, non-region plus with their region. But that's a team that, you know, right there, that's going to solve things in itself. These teams are going to be playing each other, and we're going to figure it out. Um and that goes into my next point is anybody in the top 10, anyone that's currently ranked in the top 10, and even a couple teams outside of the top 10, I would say, but definitely the teams that open up in the top 10, any of those teams can beat anybody. I'm looking at Grayson. They could beat South Forsyth, but I could see North Forsyth being Marietta. I mean, you're just like Woodstock and Archer. I mean, Archer could beat Woodstock, but Woodstock beat them. I mean, there's just so much to choose from. All these teams can beat each other, and that's going to lead um, to a lot of fun results and a lot of uh, you know tough moments for me when it comes to trying to decipher this code as to where to put these teams in the rankings. But something that I think is going to be key this year, it's going to come down to coaching and veteran leadership. Yes, there are some great guards. I'm looking at the top 10 uh, defending state champ, uh, Marietta. They have Chloe Sterling. She was phenomenal last year. Um, Grayson has a lot of talent. Uh, Bridget Utberg at Woodstock, the reigning Class 7A Player of the Year. Brookwood has uh, Diana Collins, who is phenomenal and is you know as good as anybody in the state. There's some teams that have individual stars, but I think it's really going to come down to coaching because I do think that gap is so close. I don't think one player is necessarily going to put a team completely over the top. It can't just be one player and the rest of uh, you know chuckleheads that aren't any good. like These have to be one really good player, and they have to have a supporting cast with them. And you do see a couple teams with that uh, a star player, as I mentioned, and a good supporting cast. But I do think coaching is going to be very important as well and better in leadership. So those are... You know, you can't always say coaching is the you know the end all be on an, uh, end all be all in some of these classifications. But when you know the margin for error is so slim, and I think everyone is at such a level playing field right now in seven A, I do think the X and O's are going to be very important this year. My dark horse in class seven A just mentioned them a second ago. Brookwood. I mean, they're ranked number seven. They're coming out of um, Region Four, which is in there with Grayson and Newton. 
uh, two really good teams. But Brooklyn, easily, if someone else wanted to pop up a, a ranking and they put Brooklyn number one in the state, I don't think I would bat an eye. You could very well do that. If this team is healthy, they are good enough to be the number one ranked team in the state and to win a state title. Um, a couple players were hurt last year. Uh, you got to get them back healthy. Um, but if you do have them back in the fold with Diana Collins, who averaged over 20 points per game and just is a clutch shooter and a playmaker and does everything, you got Nakia Williams, who is just um, such energy and brings so much to the table with her defensive prowess and just her slashing ability and an improved outside jump shot. Um, you got some shooters as well alongside, you know, Sierra Hall can put the ball in the basket, average about 12 points per game. Um, this is going to be a team that's super battle-tested um, coming out of that region in um, Region 4. So I, I think Brookwood's really, really good. They're a balanced team. They can have, like I said, if they're all healthy, you got about five or six really solid players with a superstar in place. Do not be surprised if Brookwood raises up this top 10 ranking very quickly if they rise quickly and don't be surprised if they're right in the thick of things playing in a final four and even in making at the end of the season and i got four teams here that just missed out on the top 10 obviously always tough to uh, leave some teams out but i'm going to touch on four of them that i really feel like were right there have a, you know, if we had a top 15, they'd be right in it. I'm going to start with Peachtree Ridge. 15 and 7, Aaliyah Hunt was on the verge of uh, going somewhere else this offseason, but she stayed loyal, she stayed true, and she's the best big player in Class 7A. She's the best post presence in Class 7A, and that goes a long way when you can rely on a six foot three junior to get you about 15 and 12 every single game. She can dominate with her size and physicality, and she keeps the ball high. Um, she scores around the rim, blocks shots, has nimble feet for her size. I think Aaliyah Hunt, definitely a Division One player in the future. Um, that just gives um, Coach White a, uh, a real stalwart in the paint to turn to, and she's going to be so good for them. Now, losing Madison Taylor, uh, transferred back down to the coast, Southeast Bulk, I believe, that hurts. Um, but getting consistent guard play, that's going to be key for them. Nia Anderson, I like what I saw from her this offseason. Quick little guard, handles the ball. Uh, the Twins, Alex and Anna Smith, are going to have to have good seasons. And you got a 5'10 uh, swingman in Kennedy Hart. If she's coming out to play again, I know she's just a junior, but she's already committed to play softball at Florida State. Uh, she was a second-team all-region pick over there in Region 8, which should open up nicely. I think Collins Hill, obviously – um, they're not going to be as good as years past. They do still have um, some talented young players in that sophomore class, junior class here or there. They're going to have some talent, um, but I do think if anyone can knock off Collins Hill, we don't have Collins Hill in the top 10 for a reason right now. They definitely have to prove themselves, but I do think with all the veterans and then just a big post presence in Hunt, I do have to think Petrie Ridge enters um, the season as a slight favorite in Region Eight. Next team I have, I'm going to switch over to Region 6 at Forsyth County Region. A lot of great basketball over there. Um, West Forsyth, they were 18-8 and eight a season ago. David May stepped down. Mallory Ranfos has taken over as a head coach, longtime assistant coach, multiple stops in different locations. But they have Tennessee Tech commit. Kayla Coward averaged over 19 points and 7 rebounds per game, finally got 
her to the division one level schools were dragging their feet on her and um you know she's she's at the place she belongs had a lot of great peach build offers as well but she's a division one player and she proves it every time she goes on the court cali thrower is going to have to be um big i, I know she had some uh moments in the off season uh you know when she's aggressive and she's shooting the ball she can knock him down but it's all about confidence with her uh because she could be really really good i could see um, her averaging about 13, 14 points alongside Kayla Cowart. That dynamic duo, she has to be there, and she has to score double digits every single game for West Forsyth, bar none, like has to be in that 12-point-per-game region um, to be able to support Cowart and to give West Forsyth another secondary option. But you got senior uh, Audrey Anderson and supporting cast. you got sophomore Catherine Bottoms. I think those two are going to play a big role in trying to help West Forsyth be a top 10 team at some point this season. Um, we're going to go to Region 2, it looks like. East Coweta, 16-7. They popped out of kind of out of nowhere last year. Latia Reeves had a great season, averaged over 20 points and close to seven rebounds per game. She's a really tough wing with size. I always like what I see from Aaliyah Farrell, a tough guard that can shoot the ball and can create off the dribble. And then Amaya Walker, she uh, just committed to Miles College. Um, so that's a nice little nucleus right there. Out of Region 2, like I mentioned, they lost to Campbell 64-46, but then they only lost 58-55 in their second matchup. So they they can hang with the big boys. They've seen some good talent. I think East Coweta uh, should probably be a top 10 team at some point this season. And then lastly, to finish up Class 7A, I'm looking at North Paulding. Coaching change, Wesley Willis slides over to be the head coach. They were 19-6 a season ago, made it to the Sweet 16. You lose Taylor Collinan, who's over there at Alabama now, obviously a, a big loss, literally and figuratively. But Aaliyah Washington, your heart and soul 5'9 wing, is back does everything, rebounds, has gotten so much better off the dribble, and with her outside shot over the course of her career has done everything she needs to do to be a college player. She leads that team. I've seen growth from you know junior Janiah Evans, a good point guard, Jada Jackson, just a sophomore, uh, Sophia Gallimore, about 5'10", 5'11". She has impressed me. I saw her a lot at the CTC Fall League. I think she could be in line for a major uptick in production. And then a freshman who was hurt, did not get to play in the fall league, Ava Andrews. She's about 5'11", 6 foot. I saw her at Georgia State. She is super wiry. She's all over the place in the press. She will help out on the glass. She will help out defensively. And I think just that bundle of energy and that just a different type player, something they haven't had in a while, just someone that long, that quick, that athletic, I think she has a lot of upside, and I think she's going to help out North Paulding a lot as a freshman. Moving on to Class 6A, number one ranked Kel. It's not Westlake, okay? It's not Westlake anymore. We'll talk about that in just a second. But Kel opens up number one. This is a team that has been coming on strong for years, ever since that junior class was freshmen, was a bunch of young freshmen, but this team is, you know, they lost to Buford in the state championship game, and then uh, a year ago they, they came up short in a uh, a tough battle to Westlake, 55-46, played Westlake pretty much as well as anybody could ever hope to do, but we're talking about this Kell team, 
Um, they're pretty loaded. They got a top five that can rival anybody. Now, Kandra Bailey steps in from Discovery, takes over this team, has a very nice core to turn to now, obviously with Crystal Henderson uh, leading the way, a prolific score. Um, but we got a huge addition with Jada Peterson. She comes in from Etowah. Uh, I think she's going to play a huge role, double-digit score over there at Etowah. Very athletic, gets to the basket in transition, um, but a really, really good three-point shooter. I feel like she's going to slot in for that Sylvia Cajora role, who's now at Barry College, uh, as a, a very good shooter. But she gives uh, Kel something they haven't really had um, you know, since that freshman year, I guess you could say. Uh, of uh, Crystal Henderson when she had some more help at the at the ball handing role, but they have another player that can create off the dribble, not as just a scorer but as a facilitator as well. In Peterson, she is going to bring a lot to the table, and I think she's going to be a you know I think she's a piece that really pushes them over the top. And then you got Sydney Moss, uh, younger sister of Amaya Moss. Amaya has you know just a great defensive center fielder, gets all the steals, gets so many rebounds, such a quick first step when attacking off the dribble. Um, just such a good player, but Sydney provides even more length on the perimeter. And uh, you know, Jada Green has been getting better and better each season, about a five foot ten four that protects the rim really well. Um, but Jemiah Gregory was cleared to play from what I've seen on social media uh, not too long ago. Did not see her at all in the offseason. Do not think she was, you know, playing at all. Um, but she's cleared. We'll see what type of role she she brings um but she's always been known for her athleticism um you know gets after it on defense or leaping ability a good player again i don't know how much she's been able to train over you know the off season how much rush she'll have or what her playing time limit will be anything like that but just to have her on that roster and uh, essentially if she's active and cleared to play like it sounds like it is um she's going to bring uh, a nice little dynamic to a very talented team that, um, you know, I, I really like Kel. It's a good team. I think Class 6A is a, the toughest classification again as it was last year, but I think Kel is, um, they're, they're, they got a chance to do something really special this year. And that leads into the storylines of Westlake. Um, I guess you could say Ding Dong, the, the Witch is Dead, the greatest dynasty we've seen in a long time, 98 straight wins against GHSA opponents. Um, Tania Latson transferred to American Heritage in Florida. Raven Johnson is at South Carolina. Uh, Snoop Turnage is at Virginia Tech. Um, you know, the list goes on and on and on. That that whole big three is, is finally broken up, and it does not seem like they were able to add any pieces to keep that alive. I know there were some some whispers about transfers and everything, but everyone stayed put from everything I know. So Westlake, I'm not sure what to expect from them. I don't think they're going to be a terrible team by any stretch of the imagination, but for them to be in the top 10 right now, which is two players that return with any type of experience, I just don't see that being feasible, especially in such a tough classification. So what's that lead into? Okay, it's the deepest class in the state again. And a lot of different types of teams. Number two, Lovejoy. They have pretty much everybody back. So much size and athleticism. Brianna Hardy inside is about 6'2", 6'3". Had a really good summer. Um, Layla Hood just committed to Mercer. So quick off her feet. Grabbing rebounds. Um, Brianna Preston is a great sophomore point guard that's taken 
uh, a step to the next level. Lania Foster led the team in scoring. She's only going to be a junior this year. Um, Boyd is back after hurting her knee and not even playing last year. So that gives Coach Cedric King more firepower. So Lovejoy is loaded. They have a lot to choose from. Then you look at Buford, who opens up at number three. Uh, weren't able to complete, what was it, a four-peat or a five-peat a year ago? They were not able to get that job done after um, they fell in the state tournament as I, I pull it up right now. Uh, had their, you know, a short, short, shortest run since what, what's it look like? Quickest exit since 2016 uh, when they were eliminated um, by Lovejoy, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so this is a, a team that is obviously Buford. You know, they won, what, four straight state titles, I think it was, as I, I, as I continue to ramble on. But um, that's a team that is, you know, they opened up at number three. They have a, a little bit to prove, but this is a team that you know they're going to be in the title hunt every single year with the system, the defense, the discipline they bring. Ava Grace Watson spending time with the U.S. 16U national team, um, going to Olympic trials and everything like that. So Buford's going to be good. They might not have the super firepower that Lovejoy has or uh, Kel has, but I mean, this has always been a team that doesn't need super high major players to win 25 games a year. So Coach Gene Durden, Buford, obviously super, super tough to beat. And then the fourth team, number four in the state, River Ridge. What does everybody know about River Ridge? What What's it going to be here? Are they ready for the next step? I think they're ready for the next step. Now, I want to see them take care of business and do their thing. But Matea Gale has ascended into being an elite point guard in the state of Georgia. Has a Georgia State offer. She is a superstar. Um, just does everything for that team. Average over 17 points per game. Close to about four rebounds, four assists, four steals. Just so good. Um, Allie Sweet was huge as a freshman last year. The volleyball player at 5'11". Just rebounds like crazy. Uh, plays even bigger than her size. Gobbles up so many steals in the press. Average eight points, ten rebounds a game. Um, just so much there. You got Sophia Reyes provides size inside and defense. And then Sophia Pearl, the freshman this year, a great three-point shooter, will help handle the ball handling duties, uh, can facilitate. Obviously, we just mentioned she can play either on or off the ball. If she's playing off the ball, she is going to knock down threes. If she's playing on the ball, she can get into the lane and kick out to other players. Uh, Ayanna Blanco, I think she is going to make a major step this year, and I think Alyssa Farmer is a very steady piece as well. So I think River Ridge, legitimate state title contender. Um, they have a really big scrimmage coming up. I want to say it's November 9th off the top of my head. I could be wrong, but they're supposed to be scrimmaging Kale. So you got number one versus number four in the state in a scrimmage. I know it's just a scrimmage, but that is a great measuring stick game for River Ridge and for Kell as well. So that's something I plan on being at just to see what River Ridge looks like against a team that we think is the favorite to win a state title. Dark horse in Class 6A. I mean, I don't think anybody in the top 10 you could really consider a dark horse, but we'll go at number 7, Sequoia, out of that Region 7. They were passed up by River Ridge this past year in the blink of an eye, and I don't know if they're going to be able to catch him, but I know they're going to be able to hang with them. I would not be surprised if they were able to steal a game from River Ridge this year. 
Um, Sequoia always is tested in the non-region schedule. This is a veteran team. I'm looking for the junior Ellie Blatch for about five foot eleven guard. She needs to continue her growth. She took a great step last year. Uh, really put up some big numbers. Average close to 17 points, five rebounds, four assists, four steals a game. What what can she do as an encore? That was just as a sophomore, and that's pretty darn good for a sophomore, but now you're going into your junior season and your senior season. How do you make sure you don't level off and you continue to get better? If she continues to get better, Sequoia will still um, be a team that no one wants to play come state tournament time. And she has some help. I mean, Susanna Rogers is a great passer. Um, Aaron Jackson is tough-nosed. And they have a freshman inside that's named Milani Abdus Salam that's really going to provide length and athleticism inside, something that Sequoia hasn't really had uh, since the Hartman sisters, it feels like, uh, game-changing length and just uh, you know some upside to work with, especially as, her, uh, as she is just a freshman. Uh, so I know Chris Yarbrough is very excited to work with her over these next four years. And let's touch on three teams that just missed the top 10. Statesboro, 22-1, and sweet 16 team a year ago. Um, got beat up pretty good by Lovejoy in the state tournament, 48-31. to uh, They get hurt pretty badly by graduation and especially transfers. Hurts the guard play a lot. Um, but they do have some interesting size. Madison Lee has an Alabama A&M offer. She's a wing, can play inside and outside. Uh, she's had some pretty impressive moments in the offseason that I've been able to see. And then Alyssa Staden, uh, about six foot three, only a sophomore, a big body that's going to clog up the lane, going to rebound, and is going to finish inside. Probably should be a D1 player when all is said and done, I would imagine. So Statesboro, they, they you know, I don't know if they're going to be able to reach what they did last year, um, but this is still a dangerous team, and they're going to be battle-tested. Uh, first game of the season, they'll be playing Griffin at the Sandy Spiel Tip-Off Classic 11-13 at West Forsyth High School. So we'll, we'll know a lot more about Statesboro and what they look like this upcoming season after that season-opening game. Uh, next, I have Habersham Central 19-6 and a season ago. Uh, made the Sweet 16. This is a team out of Region 8, so they played Buford, I want to say, three times. Uh, didn't necessarily come close any of the times. Might have lost by like 13 one time. Um, but they've seen some of the best of the best. They have three all-region picks back in Taylor Wade and Nakaria Brown, both seniors. And then Kaya Barrett, about five foot ten, a sophomore. Uh, she got a lot of fanfare in the offseason People think she has a chance to be pretty special in North Georgia. So I look for her growth. If she continues to get better and better and better, I think Habersham Central could continue to push to crack the top 10. And lastly, Grovetown, 12-8 and eight a year ago. Uh, injuries hurt him. Demaya Griffin, though, is back from tearing an ACL last year, a five foot nine senior. I think she brings a lot to the table. She was super impressive at prep hoops camp. Um, just a smart player, rebounds, pushes the ball up the court, gets to the basket, shoots the ball, just really, really well-rounded. She's going to help out a lot. She's going to join Kiana Curtis, a North Carolina A&T commit, average just under 15 points per game. I'd like to see her kind of, you know, dominate a little bit more inside. Um, but 15 points per game at the girls' level is is nothing to bat an eye at. That's very solid. And if she can up that a little bit 
and continue to flirt with double-doubles each game, Grovetown's going to be in good shape. And then they have one last piece, uh, Cecilia Burke, a senior, who saw a lot of big minutes last year. So with those three, I think Grovetown, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if they're going to be able to knock off Rockdale, who is currently ranked number nine to open the year, the defending champion out of that Region 3. Uh, but I do think Grovetown does have a chance to be a good team. And if they do string together a few nice weeks in a row, I don't think it should come as much surprise to see them climb into the top ten. Continuing on down, let's move to Class 5A. Number one ranked team, no surprise, the defending state champs, Woodward Academy, 22-1 and a season ago. Only loss came the second game of the season to Holy Innocence, 76-69. From that point on, uh, they pretty much had their way with the competition. They have four starters back. Now, I think losing Kyla Neer does hurt a little bit just because she was just so much energy and scrappy and so many steals and was just a spark plug. Um, but I could see that role being filled by Kayla Whitner, a freshman who is a great three-point shooter, you know, a big-time three-point specialist that is getting even better off the dribble. Um, that's a plug-and-play type player right there, considering that she's an outside shooter and that, you know, that's going to fit in really well next to Sydney Bowles and Sarah Lewis. Bowles averaged just under 23 points and nine rebounds per game. Sarah Lewis had a great season, just under 18 points per game. Um, that dynamic duo is so good. And just the overall length, you're talking about Bowles over six foot tall, Lewis about six one, Mackenzie Mooring inside is about six one, six two. So you just have so much size to throw out there with talented scores. Um, not much more needs to be said about Woodward Academy. They are the favorite to win, and they are much deserving of being number one in the state. And um with a state that's kind of wide open as far as there's not a West like where we know is the best team in the state of Georgia, uh, Woodward Academy definitely is in the discussion of being the best team in the state of Georgia. Storylines to look for in this one. You know, I don't know if this is much of a storyline, but I just found it interesting. Bigs, the bigs in Class 5A, that's where it all starts and stops at, especially in the top 10. Griffin. Griffin hit the transfer trail. Uh, they picked up Zy Thompson about 5'10", 5'11". She's going to help out coming in from Pike County, but you know she's not even going to be the, the star player. Samaya Puckett is the one that rules that interior at about 6'3", the junior. Over 15 points, 15 rebounds, and four blocks per game. Um, you have uh, Nadia Byard as you know, about six foot tall, a defensive player. Aaliyah Turner's a guard, and um, you know Duranham as well as you know pretty much a forward just with her physicality um, around the rim. But back to what we were talking about, the bigs in this class, very impressive. Griffin, we just mentioned, Samaya Puckett really headlines that team. You're looking at Greenbrier, who's ranked number three, right behind number two Griffin. Caitlin Staley picked up multiple mid-major, low-major, even scratched out a, a Cincinnati offer, um, a big about six foot three presence that averaged um, over four blocks per game, um, you know, close to nine points and nine rebounds a game. Um, she shuts down the paint, so that's one of the, the hottest prospects as far as bigs go in the state of Georgia that we saw this offseason. Uh, next, you have Maynard Jackson at number four. 
Zay Dyer going to Georgia State. Oh my gosh, that was a high major post player if I ever saw one in the offseason this year. I think Georgia State got a steal. If she plays like I saw her play in the multiple times I saw her this offseason, oh, she's she is a special, special talent. Now, Maynard Jackson, um, they have not had much success in a while. Um, they haven't made it to the Elite Eight for four years in a row now. Um, but Zay Dyer, she is so good, so quick, shoots a three, shoots from the perimeter, has a great unguardable turnaround jump shot, rebounds with authority, um, just does everything on the floor, and she has a lot of talent surrounding her. But that is the key piece inside, and Zay Dyer, I, I fell in love with her game this offseason. And then New Manchester, they're ranked number meh, they're ranked number six, it looks like, right now. Um, actually, New Manchester, they actually are at number eight currently in the state. Uh, but Carissa Richardson going to Auburn, she just did everything this past year. 18 points, 11 rebounds, close to two assists, three steals, three blocks per game. Uh, I think they are going to be um, an interesting team to keep an eye on. Saw them in the fall league. They did not have... Uh, Carissa Richardson, other than the first game of the season, she needs some help around her, um, but I think she's going to put up some big numbers, and just her alone um, with Cam Bates at the guard position, they're going to, and India Johnson, India Johnson as well, I think that big three is going to be good enough to to be in the top ten uh, for many weeks this year. I think they might fall out here or there, but I think New Manchester is still a dangerous team, and it all starts with Carissa Richardson. Now, my dark horse in Class 5A, uh, I would have to say it's number six, St. Pius. This is a team that is going to get after you defensively. They're experienced. They have a lot of length. They're coming out of a Region 5, which looks like it's going to be very weak this year. Southwest of Cab graduated everybody. Um, this St. Pius team, when you're going with a five foot ten Kate McBride, uh, going to Embry-Riddle Prescott, love her game as a rebounder, just a tough-nosed kid that scores around the basket. Kelly Stevenson's five foot ten, Alexa Kenna is five foot ten, and you got Alex Shivo is six foot one. So you have a ton of length right there, and they know how to play with that length. They allowed only thirty points per game last year. They control the pace. Um, they're gonna just really lock you up. I know they lost forty-three forty to Hiram in the Sweet 16 last year, but they have pretty much everybody back. Kyle Snipes is going to coach up this team, and they're going to grit you and grind you out. And I think St. Pius is a dark horse. To, I don't know if they're going to win the state title or anything like that, but this is a team that don't be surprised if you see them in the Elite Eight or if they can find their way into a Final Four just because of their style of play. And teams that miss the top 10, I got two of them that were great last year. Loganville out of Region 8, they finished 26-4. and four. Uh, Fell in the Elite 8. Sydney Bolden is back. Amaya Lewis is back. They lose, obviously, Janae Charles and uh, Rose Bone. Um, but Sydney Bolden, she's going to have to carry this team 
on the court, off the court, offensively, defensively. She has a lot on her shoulders, but I think Loganville, especially with Coach John Zorn, always is in contention, always wins a lot of games. And he, as long as he has a glimmer of talent on his roster, they're going to be in the mix. So don't be surprised if Loganville sneaks into the top 10 at some point. And the growth of Amaya Lewis, if she continues to get stronger and continues to you know love the game and go out there and eventually break a smile on the court uh, I think she is a girl that is still just you know you see flashes of it but still scratching her potential only a sophomore plenty of time to get better and better but keep an eye on Amaya Lewis's growth and then my last team just outside the top 10 cast 25 and 2 had a great year um, really soured on them as far as what happened in the state playoffs Got just demolished by Southwest Cab 72-46. So that's kind of like, eh, I don't know. Cass didn't really play a great non-region schedule last year. But they did, you know, beat Hiram. Uh, they they did uh, take care of that, <clears throat> that team multiple times. Um, but they do lose uh, some of their top players. But Claire Davis is back. She still is one of the most talented wing slash forwards in the entire state of Georgia. If she could just keep her head screwed on and focus in and, you know, get everyone around her to raise up to her level and play, um, you know, you know, hard the entire time. Like she's she's a really, really good player. I still think she's a D one level talent. Uh she just has to make sure she focuses in and, you know, carries his team along with her. I think Haley Johnson is a undervalued senior guard that is uh, pretty good. I, I, I think she's a, a very valuable piece for them. And then I'm looking at a, a freshman that moved in from Rome that I think could really help out in Jeremiah Winston. I think she could be a pretty good piece. If not this year, definitely down the line for Coach Burt Jackson. Next is Class 4A, an interesting classification. Number one ranked Luella. They have something to prove. Lost 51-50 in the first round of the state playoffs last year to Cedar Shoals. Thought they were definitely a lock to at least make the Final Four. Um, but they they have some things they got to iron out. And I think they're going to be really good, obviously, ranked number one. Uh, Ari Dyson, I think she has a chance to um, explode this year with Jada Session now at Furman. I think she is going to be the go-to post option now. Uh, really good a season ago. Average about 11 points and six rebounds. I think she could, uh, I'm not going to say double both of those numbers, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see her put up somewhere close to a 17 and 10 type season. I really like her a lot. Uh, you get the Johns Creek transfer, Evelina Davlicu comes in from, you know, a Jacksonville State commit. She transfers in from Johns Creek, and she's a, a flashy playmaker that's going to keep this team playing up pace, up tempo. Really going to replace what Courtney Gardner did for them last season, who's now at Coppin State. And then, you know, the third head of that monster, Cam Barry. She shows flashes. She's a long guard entering her junior season. If she continues to get better, I think Luella has a chance to, you know, finally get over the hump. And that kind of leads into my storyline in Class 4A. Who gets over the hump? Is it going to be Luella? Is it going to be Troop? Is it going to be Jefferson? None of the above? Who Who's going to get to a state championship. Luella's had some heartbreak in the Final Four over the past few years, and obviously it came early last year in the first round. Uh, Troop County, 
got beat in the state championship game. Um, not this year, or not last year, but the year before. Um, then this past year, they lose in a, a tough game against Cairo when they make it to the final four, and that was a, a tough pill to swallow, fifty-five to fifty-one. And that's a team that's you know they it's it's now or never. Anaya Palmer is a senior. Um, Alexia Murphy is a junior. You 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 got them, and then a lot of your seniors are experienced and upperclassmen by now. So Troop County is it their year? And then lastly, Jefferson, who got snake bit with a bad scores table, a bad book, got docked a point, whatever happened, 61-60, to 60, lost to Carver-Columbus in the Elite Eight last year. Last year was supposed to be Jefferson State Championship team. They graduate a lot, but I still think this is a very dangerous team. Deshauna Gaither is back for her senior season, a dynamic defensive presence, a slasher. Uh, Ellie Kinlock can shoot the three very well. And then the long-awaited return of Natalia Bolden, who missed her sophomore and junior seasons. We're talking about uh, a five-foot-eleven wing that can play guard or can play in the post, can do pretty much anything. She tore ACL sophomore season, then working her way back, she ruptures her Achilles and misses last year, and that that was the piece. That was a missing piece last year. Even with the scorer's book, you know, all that. If you had that, you probably don't even need to worry about uh, the book. But it is what it is. And she's back. She averaged 12 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists as a freshman. It's been close to, you know, over 1,000 days since her last varsity game. But she is going to immediately bring Jefferson to another level. If she can stay healthy, which we hope, she can be a special, special talent. So who's going to get over the hump, Luella, Troop, or Jefferson? Or, you know, is it someone else? Is someone else going to do it? Or is Carver going to find their way back in this picture? Two out of the last three state titles have been won by Carver. Are they finally out of state contention? I'm looking at Carver. They're ranked number four to start the year currently. Um, This is the first time in a long time they don't have a big-time high-major D1 player on the roster. Olivia Cochran is not there anymore. Uh, Kiki Gaines has graduated. She's gone now. Um, But, you know, Carver Columbus, what have they been known for? They work the transfer market, baby. Columbus, they suck them up over there. And they were able to pick up one good player that I at least was able to find from Alabama, Russell County transfer, Ja'Kyla Geiger, a really good shooter. I think she's going to help a lot. You pair her next to Kaylee Simpson, uh, a strong wing-type player. And then Akira Robinson, who played a lot last year. I think they're going to have a good nucleus, but again, it remains to be seen. Were any other transfers slipped through that I did not find out? Do they have a D1 player on the roster this year? Um, or at least a high major D1 player at that? I don't, I'm not sure. And then I want to figure out how do they replace the two Twin Towers. They've been used to having all this D1 high major players and then size. And Sean Jones and Kamaya Edmonds, both six foot, six foot one post presences. They're both over there at East Georgia State now. Um, so what is Carver going to look like? I think they're going to look different. But either way, I think they're still going to be tough. But I don't know. I just I'm not sure. Is this is this going to be a state title contender? Very well, maybe it may be one of those deals where you got to slay the dragon first. But Carver always finds a way into the picture. Now, dark horses in Class Four A. I am going to go with number ten, Bainbridge. Bainbridge. 
Good team last year. Top four back. Veteran team. They were 10-8. and eight. Probably should win Region 1. Cairo graduates everybody. Um, I think Doherty will be tough, but Bainbridge probably should win it. And why? Well, they they do have maybe, if not the best, the second best post presence in the state in Class 4, and that's Datavia Salter, who is committed to Mercer, averaged close to 13 points, 10 rebounds, and 4 blocks a game. Um, a really talented back-to-the-basket score, does a lot of good stuff. And then Terrellyn Brown is an interesting piece at about 5'10", 5'11", inside-out threat. Um, I think Bainbridge has a chance to really sneak up on some people. And don't forget, Bainbridge was a team that ended Baldwin's season um, early in the first round, 40-34, to when Baldwin was undefeated. And you're looking at Baldwin right now, currently sitting at number 6 to open up the year. But keep an eye on Bainbridge down south. I think they have an interesting team that could emerge from Region 1. And then I'll give you two teams that just missed out on the top 10. I'm looking at East Hall, 15-10 and 10 a year ago. They're in Region 8, which is very tough. Cedar Shoals, who was that, that dream season last year, got hot, made it to the Final Four. Flowery Branch, who, geez, what Flowery Branch finished last year? They were 500 or maybe a game under 500 last year. They got hot. They made it to the Elite Eight. Um, that, that region was really good a season ago, and I think it's going to be good again this year. I mean, North Oconee, who we have currently ranked number nine in the state, that was a sweet 16 team. Uh, Jefferson, Elite Eight. So Region Eight, they they swept. They had, what, a Final Four team, an Elite Eight team. two Actually, a Final Four team, two Elite Eight teams, and then two Sweet 16 teams, if that makes sense. I think that sounds about right, maybe. Um, but either way, this is uh, this is a good group. This is a really good group. East Hall, everyone's back. Alexis Burst is a senior. Uh, Audrey Griffin is a senior. Callie Dale's a good shooter at the in the in the junior class, and Malia Harrison is an interesting piece as well, also a junior. So you got four really good players right there that are going to compete. They're going to be battle-tested. They might not win the one seed. They may win the one seed. I'm not really sure how to handicap it. I still think Jefferson, um, who we have at number five to open the year, I think they're still the team to beat, but Jefferson's good. East Hall, obviously good. North Oconee, who we mentioned. I think Chesapeake is going to be scary for some teams. And then Cedar Shoals, they graduate a lot, but they still have Ashley Lester, a really good junior guard. Uh, and then Flowery Brands, they have some you know, some good shooters, Bella Brick, Shana Cruz, as well, they lose the big girl uh, over there at Mercer now and Ashley Locke, but I think that's going to be a uh, an interesting team as well. But East Hall, a good team that just missed out on the top ten, and then lastly Doherty, ten and nine, Region One. Uh, they lose their top score, but everybody else is back. They have a sophomore named Julia Burns, averaged seven point six points per game. This was a team that was seven and three in Region One, and they split with Brainbridge. So I do think Doherty, um, they could be a sneaky team. I don't know if they're going to be better than Bainbridge this year, but I do think this is a team that, especially come state tournament time, they might not be uh, you know, as easy and out as some teams up north may think they are. Now it is time to cover Class 3A was my favorite classification a season ago. Uh, we'll jump right into it. Always a lot to chew on. 
in Class 3A. Number one ranked team in the state, Lumpkin County. I don't think that should come as much of a surprise. If you are surprised, you have not been paying much attention. Everyone back except Isabel Davenport. Um, this is a very experienced team. Um, you know, a really good team. Obviously, ended ended in a, you know, it was a sour ending, especially at home with how they lost to Cross Creek in the final four, but a historic 25-5 and season a season ago. Um, 46-45 was the final score to Cross Creek, who won at the buzzer. Um, with that being said, this team is uh, experienced. I think, you know, you're looking at the Cluster A freshman of the year in Avery Jones, a sophomore now, average just under 16 points per game, three rebounds, three assists, close to three steals, hit 63 three-pointers. And that's a big piece of this Lumpkin County team. They shoot a lot of threes, and they make a lot of threes. Um, Lexi Pierce has gotten better and better each year. She's only a junior, averaged 10 points per game, shot over 33% from three. Um, Mary Molinex of 5'10 wing has been getting better and better with her outside shot. She flies around all over the place, 10 points, six rebounds. Um, but the big piece that they have back is Kate Jackson, a six-foot forward, a junior. Tore ACL, missed all of last season. Averaged over 10 points and 10 rebounds a game as a freshman. She brings a different dynamic because now they can play inside out. They can get some easy buckets inside. She can earn some second-chance opportunities and kick it back out and kicking it kicking it back out that's my next point you can play inside out you can give her the ball if she gets double teamed or draws too much attention she can swing it to anybody on the court and they're going to be able to knock down uh, an outside shot so that just gives coach David Dow so much um, so much of a different different type you know offense if something's not working if shots aren't falling we do have a go-to post presence that will draw fouls and will score around the rim so that is just super key for them. And, uh, you know, I already said, this is an experienced team. They lack depth, but they're used to it. This is a team that always plays five and, you know, seven on a good day if they need to. Um, but they're used to that. They know how to stay out of foul trouble. And I just think um, the community, all the support they have in Dahlonega, especially in the home crowd, even with COVID last year, I mean, it did not matter. that You know, they scared some players into not wanting to play uh, at that environment. And, you know, it's just uh, it's going to be really tough to beat them, especially if they handle their business and they get that number one seed out of Region 7, which they should. Um, if they're able to continue to win coin flips and, you know, if they get the Elite Eight at their own house, um, you know, this is just going to be – it's going to be really tough to beat a team like that with the the home court advantage they're going to have. And uh, I just I just think they have an opportunity to go very, very far this year. And, I mean, all these players, they, they will run through a brick wall for Coach Dallas. And I think this is a, a team that is – they're ready to take the next step. And I think uh, they are definitely well, well warranted of that number one seed to open up the season. Storylines in this classification, Region 5, the battle between GAC and Westminster. Westminster beat them close twice last year, and then GAC uh, got them good in the region tournament. Uh, I still think there's a lot of talent, obviously, there. GAC with Kaylee Addy going to Xavier, averaged 
about 21 points per game and stuff. The stat sheet, J.C. Bolden uh, came on strong with over 15 points per game. Now they need to get some pieces around them to pick up their play. If Molly Pritchard is back, uh, I know she's supposed to play soccer at Ohio State. If she's still playing basketball her senior season, she'll be big because Lauren Randolph is now gone, the six foot three post over in Memphis in college. Um, but they need some people around her, uh, around Addy, I guess I should say, to really step up. I, they have a dynamic backcourt, but what else do they have? And depth has always been a little bit of an issue as well for GAC. And then Westminster, they were great last year. They had pretty much everybody back for the most part. Uh, Courtney Ogden, hopefully COVID does not have to ruin anything this year, and she's able to play a full season. She's a blue-chip prospect. Um, ranked in the, I want to say the top 20 in her entire class in the entire nation. So she is a uh, very, very good. She puts up points and then Stella Chartran. She was really good as a freshman last year. If she continues to get better and better, I think those two are just really tough covers. And I just like how Westminster plays with how they attack defensively and they use their press and they are pretty athletic and they can turn you over a lot. Um, so that, that, you know, region five, it's, I don't think it's going to be as brutal of a region as we thought it was supposed to be last year. I think you could see kind of smooth sailing between GAC and Westminster this season, but I do think that's a really good, uh, very good matchup. I could see those teams splitting throughout the season. And I mean, if anybody was wondering why Lumpkin County was ranked number one or ranked number one over GAC specifically, just go back, do your history research 2019-2020 season in Region 7. Lumpkin County was in that same region as GAC, and they blew out uh, GAC twice, beat them 51-38 at GAC, and then at Lumpkin County they, they housed them 67-35. Um, so I don't think GAC, they don't have a leg to stand on right now as far as um, you know if they think they should be number one currently, but number two is a good spot for them, and they will definitely be in-state title contention. And I know they're going to play a really tough non-region schedule again to prepare them, but Lumpkin County, I think all signs definitely point to them at least opening up at number one. Next, we will break down our dark horses. I think we're looking at region one. I mean, you know, it's been so much on the coast as far as Savannah teams go in years past, and then the balance of power definitely shifted up north a season ago. Cross Creek over in Augusta got the job done last year, but their entire team, which was, you know, I guess they're all back, but let's make no bones about it. Jordan Dorsey was the team last year. When you put up 30 points out of your 56 in the state championship game and you average about 25 per game in the state playoffs, that you don't have her on the roster. You're you're not going to be able to repeat what you did a year ago, most likely. But I do think Cross Creek will still be good this season. But with that being said, Region 1, down south, Pierce County, number 6, and then Tattnall County, number 10. Um, these are two sneaky good programs. Don't you know? They don't really put out their stats or anything. They're not trying to get their kids seen, or at least they don't do enough to get them seen. For me, at least, I mean, let's put it on Twitter. Very good players over here, but you're always somewhat of a mystery when it comes to that type stuff. But Tattnall County has won at least one playoff game five years in a row. That's consistency. That's a good program. 
Um, you're looking at Pierce County, who has Natalie Heron, who I got to see multiple times in the offseason. She's the real deal. Two-time region player of the year. That's the girl that, you know, probably Division Two, Division Three. Uh, would be a really hot prospect there, but she's really tough and just scores at all levels and uh, a little bit unorthodox release on her jump shot, but she's just really tough and physical and gets downhill. Really good player, gets after it on defense. So you got a, a future three-time you know region player of the year right there, and they got a lot back as well. Both these teams have a ton back. And I'm just looking between these two teams. I mean, they played three games last year. Pierce took two out of three, but in the two in the three games they played, uh, the score was one fifty eight to one fifty eight. So it's 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 deadlock between these two teams. Don't be surprised if Tattnall wins the region or if Pierce gets second, vice versa. Either way, these are two uh, very good teams that are going to be tough to play, especially if you have to go all the way down there. I know Pierce County had that home court advantage against Lumpkin County last year, and Lumpkin County was able to survive and get out of there alive. Uh, but that was 64-55, a very competitive game that Pierce County lost. And then you're looking at Tattnall County, um, who made it to the Sweet 16 last year. They lost 58-68 to to Johnson Savannah. So two good programs right there. I think those are dark horses to make some noise. And, you know, we'll see how the bracket lays out. But Elite Eight, Final Four, I don't think that's anything out of the imagination. And here's some teams that just missed out on the top 10. Uh, Burke County out of Region 4, 14 and 6 a season ago. Three of their top four back. Cross Creek still the team to beat, but again, Jordan Dorsey no longer there. So you have, uh, you know, a little breathing space um, that, you know, it's much more likely that they can steal a game from Cross Creek this year. Uh, they lost 57-53 in the first round to Tattnall County, which goes back to tell you that Tattnall County was pretty good last year. Um, but Aliyah uh, Denmark was a first-team Region 4 pick a season ago. She leads that team for the Bears. Next up, Central Macon, 9-9 nine and nine a year ago. Everybody back on the roster. They're led by a first-team all-region pick out of Region 2. Uh, senior Tanaya Pryor, and then you got the second team selection, a sophomore now, Talia Greer, a really good quick playmaker that can set up her teammates. And that region, that that region's blown up. That region's way open now. Upson Lee in Region Two, they they graduate everybody, so completely wiped them off the table after they were undefeated last year before falling in the uh, Elite Eight or the Final Four. Actually, they lost to GAC, um, but blow them up. Upson Lee non-factor right now. Pike County. Uh, they lose their best player, transfers to Griffin inside Thompson, a team that was 11-9, and nine, but when you lose your best player, obviously that hurts a ton. Um, you're looking at Sumter County. Is, you know, I, I, I have them as a team to beat currently, ranked number five in the classification. And then another team that you, you know wasn't a great team but was still a respectable team, Jackson. They lose Gabby Cartanega, who's over there at Troy now after she averaged like 24 points per game as a senior. So a lot has shifted in Class 2A, and I think you could see Sumter County and then, of course, Central Macon rise to the top in that region. And lastly, Beach. Probably don't need to talk about how that season ended last year, but 11-3, and lose Kayla Rogier, who's now at North Florida um, when you lose a guard that averaged close to 20 points per game, you're going to be hurting. Um, but they do have some intimidating size inside. 
um, Elijah Moultrie, Amaya Dantzler, uh, Alexis Brockington is another uh, forward type. And, you know, you got three first-team all-region three picks in Moultrie, Dantzler, and their lone guard, Amaya Pretty. Um, so Beach, like I said last year, uh, we won't harp on everything that happened last year in the Savannah area. I do think it was down last year, and I do think it may be even – uh, I don't know if I want to say more down this year, but I know Beach should not be as good as last year. I wouldn't assume. Um, but Savannah's kind of dragging a little bit right now. I think John Savannah's still going to be dangerous, open up at number four with their length. But Beach, it'll be interesting to see what they can put together without Kayla Rogier at the point guard spot. Up next is Class 2A. Number one ranked Elbert County. This has been a, a, I don't want to say a long time coming, but we know this is what the trajectory looked like. I mean, they were 16 and 10 as all freshmen, 23 and 3 as all sophomores, juniors now. Like, Elbert County is a team to beat this year and next year. Now, they lost 46 45 to Josie in the Elite Eight, who are the defending state champs. So you have to give Josie a lot of credit. Um, but just a simple fact that Josie lost two pretty big pieces last year. They're two best shooters from last year's team. Elbert County, everybody's back. Elbert County is really, really good. They're going to play a very grueling non-region schedule to prepare them. Um, they're going to be playing in that that very tough you know, Region 8 in the first place, so they're going to see teams like Rabin County. Um, and battle with them all throughout the year. So, And even Banks County is a sneaky good team that can give you fits on certain nights. So Elbert County is a, uh, a really good team. Um, Coach Josh Jones has done a nice job. Um, and this is an Elbert County team that really likes to get after you. Great guard play. And again, guard play is very important in high school basketball, especially in girls basketball. And if you have girls that can break the press or girls that can get after it and press you, you're in good shape. And Elbert County has both uh, quick team. Anaya Allen averaged over 16 points per game. One of the uh, you know the many juniors um, that the Blue Devils have to offer. Um, you're looking at Anaya Moon is just all over the place as well. And Terrace Hester, the same. Those big three right there get after you, turn you over, and are quick getting to the basket. Um, they do lack some important size, um, so that, that could be an issue not having a, a real a real huge post presence, but this is a team that's going to be battle-tested, and I think Elbert County is, they're good. They're really, really good, and they are going to be prepared come February and March. Storylines in this classification We'll start in Region 4. I mean, Josie versus Laney, that's, you know, the always been going back and forth, these two teams. Butler was actually the team that came out and kind of snuck through the back door and won that region. Um, so you got to give Butler a lot of credit, but they, they graduated pretty much all their top dogs from last year's team. So I do think it, it comes back to the Montagues and the Capulets between Josie and Laney. Josie finally mercifully ended a 38-game losing streak to Laney a season ago. Um, spanned 16 years to my research I was able to find. They finally beat Laney, and they did so uh, multiple times. And uh, 
they are going to be, you know, right there again. But I think this Laney team is going to be much improved. I mean, Laney, there was their worst year in a long time. 15-8 and eight is good for most teams, but for Laney, that was really their worst season in many, 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 many years. Um, but that was a team I kind of expected that. They lost all their top scorers a year before. Uh, just a, overall, a lot of turnover from the roster. But this year, they're supposed to have pretty much – they're you know a lot back and their top two players are back in Kiara Turner who averaged over 16 points per game and then senior Santana Dennis 11 points per game so you have that cohesion they've all played together you know it's not looking at one another saying who's going to be the leading scorer we know the defined roles now for Otis Smart over there at Laney so I do think that's going to be bashing heads uh and again I could see both those teams kind of trading blows throughout the year in region four and you know one more storyline how does Fannin County respond to heartbreak currently ranked number four they ripped off 17 straight wins after they got beat by 23 to Rabin County to end 2020 and then they had a state championship within their grasp but they went eight minutes without scoring, and they fell 47-42 to Josie. How does Fannin respond? They have a lot back. Courtney Davis, the sophomore, is back. She's going to be even better, a really good score. Obviously, it all starts and stops with Becca Ledford, the just rock-solid senior guard who averaged close to 11 points per game. And then you have Reagan York, who is just a, a really reliable wing-slash-forward type that averaged eight points and six rebounds per game. Uh, what's Ryan Chastain going to do? How do they kind of, you know, knock off the dust and don't worry about, oh, we were so close last year. It's got to be a focus on getting back this year and finishing the deal this year. And Fannin, I mean, they peaked at the right time last year. I mean, I already read off that 23-point loss to Raven County was weird, but then they, they did beat Early County, who probably was my pick to win the whole state championship a year ago. Um, they had magic to beat Butler, uh, you know, Fannin County, they did everything they were supposed to do. And then, you know, the, what do they call it? The, 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 the thing that the, the, the Cinderella or Snow White, I don't know my Disney movies, but the, the, the clock struck midnight and the, the pumpkin, you know, the, the thing you sit in turned into a pumpkin or a glass slipper didn't fit anymore. I don't know. Well, I don't know what the Disney stuff, but all those, all those little things happened, and it kind of ran out of juice. But Fannin County, I think they're going to be very competitive this year. They're going to have a chance to make it back to Macon. But I do want to see if there's any opening season lull or a little drag, anything like that. But I do think uh, they're going to be a good team this year. So I wouldn't worry too much if I was a Rebels fan. Dark Horse in Class 2A. I'm looking at number 9 Callaway. Now... Let's be honest, they didn't have the most difficult run to the Elite Eight a season ago. Um, you know, they beat 2-13 and 13 Union County in the first round. Pretty ridiculous that they even were in the state playoffs, but that's what happens when you have a small automatic bid region. And then they beat Chattooga in overtime. Who was, they were 13-8. and eight. Chattooga was okay. Not bad, but they were okay. But Chattooga's not a... A huge power, but either way, they beat the teams in front of them, and then they ran into Washington County and got blown out 71-46. to Now, Coach Yano Martin has everybody back, their top five returns from that 15-7 and team, and they have a lot of size. Like, this is a 
this is they they could be a problem. And you know, I was able to watch a, a little bit of film, uh, and these you know the, this height could be off by an inch. They might be an inch taller than what I was able to to gather. But you got a sophomore lefty in Jasmine Thornton. She's got a lot of upside. She she likes to shoot a lot from the perimeter. I'd like to see her kind of use her length and get downhill a little bit more, but. She's got a ton of talent, a lot of upside. You got a, a 6-1 sophomore in Lacey Thomas who could dominate games on the glass and block a lot of shots and looks very mobile as well. And then you got about a six-foot senior in Cameron Stardell who provides more of the, the beef and the meat inside. Another big body. And those three, that's you know, that's 5'11, 6'1, 6 foot right there. That's good enough. But we're not even mentioning the Region 5 player of the year in Gabrielle Johnson, who's the antithesis the ultimate not that of them she's about five foot three but she's her leading scorer could put up 20 points any single night she's a spark plug so you add her with three big you know mobile post presences forwards you know Thornton's definitely a wing but Thomas and Stargell can you know twin towers inside and then you got a little shooter and Johnson outside this team has a lot of talent they have a lot of talent now they they are going to have to prove it because let's be honest that region uh, region five hasn't been great in years past. I know I got Heard County number ten in the state as well, and they're, they're you know they're good. I think those teams are both teams that are on the rise. I think they're definitely getting better. I mean Heard County did make it to the Sweet Sixteen last year, uh, but Callaway they did have a couple wonky losses here and there earlier in the year, but. Um, if they're able to kind of string it together and get everyone on the same page from day one, the talent is there to climb up the rankings and really be a scary team come state tournament time. And for the teams that just missed out on the top ten, I got three of them. Uh, region three has some good teams. I'll tell you the first two from Region three. I'm looking at Northeast Macon, nine and eight a season ago. Everybody's back. They have Jakia Little, a really really good guard. Entering her senior season, averaged 18 points, 8 rebounds, um, 2 assists, and 5 steals a game as a junior. She's dynamic, she's athletic, she gets to the basket, she's tough, she's all over the place. So she leads a team that returns everybody. Um, Dodge County in Region 3, 13-7. They're supposed to have their top 5 back from a season ago, led by junior Alteria Gooch, 14 points and close to 10 rebounds a game last year. And lastly... I'm switching over down to Region 1, Thomasville, 9-7 and seven last year. Everybody back. I heard Bria Diggs, 14 points and 7 rebounds, and Saniah White, about 13.7 rebounds and 2 blocks. Two seniors right there, a, a veteran group that has, like I said, everybody back from last year's team. And they're in that region where Early County is definitely not going to be as strong as years past with Michaela Timpson now at Florida State. Um, don't be surprised. Thomasville, they could be the team that cr- you know gets out, crawls out of Region 1 with that one seed. I don't think it would shock me too much. I know Early County still has some talent on the roster, but Thomasville could be a one or a two seed. And again, if you have to go down to Thomasville and you're coming from North Georgia, that is a long ways away. So keep an eye on Thomasville. I think the Bulldogs could be a pretty good team this year in Class 2A. Moving on down to Class A private, number one, Mount Perrin. Have a chance to be the best team in all of Georgia, I really think so. And now when I say the best team in all of Georgia, I don't think it's going to be like 
for any team in Georgia, I would be surprised if someone just puts their stamp down and goes 32-0 or completely dominates. I don't see that happening this year, but I do see a lot of these teams playing really good competition and then coming out uh, on top, especially if you win a state title. But I do think Mount Perrin is going to have every opportunity uh, provided to them to prove themselves as a top team in Georgia. Why? How? Well, this is a veteran group. They've been getting better and better each season, and it all starts with the Georgia Tech commit. Kara Dunn does literally everything imaginable on a basketball court, makes everybody around her better. 26 points per game, 11 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks. She does everything. She's a phenomenal passer. She's just she's excellent. She's a trump card. She's something that Mount Perrin has that nobody else in Class A private has. And she has help. Uh, Sham Jennings is a good defender. Kaylin Kirkland is a versatile combo forward. Uh, West Georgia commit. Caitlin Dunning is a great point guard that just has a ball on a string and just gets gets downhill and creates for others, just knows how to play. Libby Hine is an athletic wing that can help out, but I'm telling you, what really puts this team over the top is the freshman class for Mount Perrin. Jada Harvey, about 5'8", solid player, should see some time. Catali Humans has really blossomed as a scorer in the offseason, should see some time. Jacqueline Murthill, I really love how she's aggressive on defense, picks up full court, and just has that, you know, that quick bounce to her game. You can tell she can handle the rock. She knows how to use a pick and roll. She is a spark plug. But the big X factor, Jessica Fields, six foot one, has ACC, SEC offers. She is the real deal. She's slender at six foot one, but she has functional strength. She finishes through contact. She rebounds exceptionally well, high points rebound. She blocks shots. She can attack a little bit off the drill. She does so much. That is the X factor. So now Kara Dunn and Kaylin Kirkland, it's not just those two rebounding and having to protect the rim. No, no, no. Jessica Fields, you plug and play her. I could see her being a double-double girl, 10 points, 10 rebounds as a freshman. Just cleaning up misses, just having great hands inside and just catching and finishing while keeping the ball high. That is the X factor. I think Jessica Fields is who puts Mount Perrin over the top. And along with a bunch of other really good freshmen that gives Coach Stephanie Dunn all of a sudden just terrific depth, I think this is a very special team led by Kara Dunn and Caitlin Dunning, and then the rest is just going to fall in line. I like Mount Perrin a lot. So storylines. You pretty much just hit the nail on the head. With Mount Perrin, but can Mount Perrin, can Galloway, two have-nots. We have the haves and the have-nots. Can they handle the target on their back? Galloway's ranked number two, but you're looking at teams number three and number four, St. Francis. Holy innocence. These teams are always there. They always load their rosters up. They're always right in title contention. They're sitting at three and four, extremely dangerous. Holy innocence beat Mount Perrin twice last year. They ended their season last year. Can Galloway and Mount Perrin kind of handle this? And Galloway, this is, you know, I don't know. 
Galloway very well could be a year away. I'm, I may be too bullish on this Galloway team, especially when they don't have any key seniors, and that's fine. If I'm too bullish, it's all good because I know they'll be back next year. But when you have a junior class that has Kalen Fields that just transferred in that has some D1 offers, you got uh, Kyla Kane, uh, a power wing that averaged 14 points and 10 rebounds. You have Allison Hoffman, a, a big guard, about 5'9", shooting guard, averaged 15 points per game and is a great three-point shooter. And you have the sophomore, 5'11", Tiana Thompson, who is just, I think, one of the highest ceiling players we have in the state of Georgia, especially in that sophomore class. You have her entering her sophomore year after averaging 18 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals, shooting 53% from the field. I like that core four. I'm sorry. I like that core four. Depth obviously can be an issue, but I like that core four a lot. But when you're looking at St. Francis, who they lose uh, um, Maya Moore, Mia Moore, um, they lose her to Mississippi State, but I think Erica Moon is going to have a really big season, average just under 10 points per game last year. I could see her you know, 14, 15, and about five or six assists a game. I think she's really good. Uh, Janice Taylor led the team, well, is the returning leading scorer at 12 points per game. Obviously, they have size inside with Samaya White. Uh, Anisha Hall is 6'4". Uh, Ryan Tillis, I like what I saw from her as about a 5'10", 5'11", forward-type player. Then Nia Young should be, uh, be seeing a, a bigger impact as well. They might have some more freshmen that have moved in. Who knows? They might have some youth that is going to be served. But just based on what I know, I'm looking at a, a nice core of about five, six players right there. They're going to be tough. And then Holy Innocence, Olivia Hutcherson is, um, you know, the double-double machine for them. Really tough. Really good guard play. Brooke Suttle, I know coach said that she's the best player on the team. Um, she got some SEC offers in the offseason. And then Haley Swain, a rising freshman, already has – ACC, SEC, just name the conference. She has all these high major offers. They are going to be really, really good. So for Mount Perrin and or Galloway to kind of live up that one and two billing, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be extremely tough. They could lose in these matchups of these other teams. And I think Galloway, they're going to be super battle tested coming out of that region five, dealing with Wesley and Holy Innocence and then Hebron Christian. Um, but, I, you know, if you want great things in life, you know, they don't come easy. So if Mount Perrin and Galloway, if one of those two teams is able to hoist a trophy this year, it is going to have to be well-deserved and well-earned because they're going to have to eventually beat a St. Francis or a Holy Innocence, one of these teams that is always in the mix for a state title. Dark Horse and Class A Private, if you know by now, you should know they don't exist in Class A Private. They just don't because once you get past maybe the top four, top five-ish, uh, everything falls off a cliff because it's just completely different. These teams in the metro Atlanta area, they are able to get players in and they are very good, but um, it's just a lot different when you get to the outskirts of town. Um, but I will give you one team that is interesting. Don't think they're going to win a state title. A Final Four, I don't think that is in the cards either. Um, but number eight, Deerfield-Windsor. Made it to the Elite Eight last year. They weren't in the state rankings at all last season until the very final poll after the season concluded. But this is an interesting team. They had some, you know, 
ugly losses early on in the season where obviously, you know, you're looking at that and you're not saying, oh, this is a top 10 team when you got you, know, you get beat by however much by this, you know, X team. Not great, but their size really took control. When they beat Calvary Day 66-45 in the Sweet 16, that is what really, you know, opened my eyes, should have opened the rest of the state's eyes. And they had pretty much everyone back from that team. Margaret Sadler, about six foot two, only a junior. Uh, she dominated that game, thirty-one points and sixteen rebounds against Calvary Day. And I, you know, it could have just been a terrible matchup because we know the Cavaliers. That's a team that doesn't really have a lot of size. Always predicated on quick guards. Uh, but Deerfield Windsor exploited that and punished them. And Margaret Sadler had a monster game. They have a six foot sophomore named Gabrielle Harris who uh, was an all-region pick, and then a sophomore guard, and Joy Hubbard was a first-team Region 1 selection. So you got those three. You know this, We'll see what they can do to build on last year's team that finished 18-9. and uh, I think they should be good this year, but definitely next year. If those three stay in place and if they put together a nice season this year, we could see this team kind of climb up to that that five range, maybe. We'll see. It depends on who they see throughout the season and if they start scheduling teams. But there's a lot coming back these next two years. Um, I think Deerfield-Windsor is a bit of a dark horse. as just being a, a team that you might have to take pause with when you see them in the state tournament just because it can give you a couple mismatch looks inside with their size. And now two teams that miss a top 10. Tallulah Falls, 16-8 a season ago. Lowell Hamilton takes over the head coaching duties. If their Bohemians are still there, Danica Lightborn and Verone Charlton, two super quick guards, get after you defensively and push the pace. Lightborn averaged 13 points a game, and Verone Charlton uh, just under 13 points per game. And then another team, don't know what they're going to have on the roster because it's a school that just they just completely turn over. You have... And you know, a, a fully new team imported in. We have no idea, but Green Force, 14 and 6 a year ago. Only two players are back from last year's eight team roster. I don't know what they're gonna have in. Uh you know, if Green Force ever puts a team on the floor by now, they're they know how to get six foot three and six foot two girls. Don't have any idea what they're gonna have, but it's always something that you kind of gotta hold your breath on the boys and the girls side, more so on the girls' side now, I guess you could say. Um, but you always got to hold your breath and see what does Green Forest have on the roster. They could either have a whole new crop of big girls that moved in and a whole lot of talent, or they could be very, very bad this year. It remains to be seen. And now, moving on to our final classification, we have Class 1A Public Thank you for sticking with us. If you have listened to this entire podcast, you're not going to find this type of insight anywhere else. But let's go right into number one. Mount Zion out of Region 6. Mount Zion Carrollton, the number one ranked team. Um, I will just start with saying Class A public is wide open. Wide, wide open. And this is going to talk about our number one ranked team, Mount Zion. And we're going to mix in some storylines right here because uh, let's just break it down. I don't think there's any D1 players in this classification this year right now. And in years past, if you had one D1 player, 
you are probably going to win the state title or be very close to it. I mean, we're looking at last year, Calhoun County with Takiya Davis, a shot blocker just completely wrecked that game with 12 blocks. They beat Clinch County 49-45 in what was just a very ugly game. That's kind of been the trademark for Class A public. Um, we had 28 combined missed free throws and 51 combined turnovers. And those are the two best teams in the classification, which kind of tells you uh, you just got to kind of white-knuckle it and do the best you can to put your players in a good position to win in Class A public because it can get a little helter-skelter and it does get tough. But back to saying that there are no D1 players in the classification that we know of right now, it's wide open. We're going with Mount Zion to open up the year. Um, they have a lot of cohesion, let's be honest. Now, they didn't play great against the top teams in that region last year. They finished 21-8, and um, but they did struggle against you know the top two teams, Armucci and Tryon. They did go 0-4 against them, but both those teams um, graduate their top players, and I think that's a reoccurring theme for a lot of teams that we see in the top 10 to open up the year. Uh, their competition graduates a lot, and you know the teams that are – you see in the top 10, they have a lot of their players back, and sometimes that's very important. That's all you need. Um, but Mount Zion, they get after it on defense. They have quick guards. Jordan Kirbo's a 1,000-point score, really good, um, just a, a solid player, very smart player, a really good passer, and I think she can really pick apart defenses at this level. Um, so when you mix in her passing with her scoring, and she's played at a high travel ball level all season, um, Going into what she's going to see during the high school season, it it has to be easier because she's seen so much better competition during the travel ball season. And now she's an elder statesman. Um, She's a senior on this team. She knows what it takes to get the job done. She has to really be the the engine for this team. I think another key piece is Zoe Holland. I think she is going to play a huge role for this team, a team that only graduated one senior from last year. But Zoe Holland, a junior, an all-region pick, Average 10 points per game, but she hit 77 threes. If you hit 77 threes in Class A public, you just don't see shooters like that. Now, I don't know what the percentage was of that. I'm hoping it wasn't 77 of 377, which I highly doubt it was, but she's a shooter. And if you have outside shooting like that, that's going to take you a long way in Class A public. So I I do like this Mount Zion Carrollton team. I'm not completely sold on anybody being a number one ranked team, but out of all the options, I do feel like this team has played a lot of good teams in the offseason. They did come to the quick cut. They did come and try and play some 7A schools. I don't think anyone else in A public is really doing that. So I do think they're going to be battle-tested and prepared. Um and the storylines, really, I mean, who who's going to emerge? I don't know who's going to emerge from this classification. It is a crapshoot. It really is. You just don't really know. And a lot of that comes from what happened last year. Now, the North Georgia team's really impressed last year. Uh, Tryon, Armucci, we talked about them. Commerce had a great run. A lot of those teams lose two of their top players. So, you know, you're, you're losing your top. They're going to be fine, but they lose their top, their top dogs. Um, and what happened last year in South Georgia? It was crippled by COVID. We have some teams that were taking like one and two month breaks. Just insane, ridiculous. Could not even get on the court. So we have some teams that played eight games last year that were ranked versus teams like uh, Mount Zion, Carrollton, and these North Georgia schools that were playing their 
uh, you know, customary 28 games, 30 games. Um, teams down south, they were lucky to play 10 games, so that made it very difficult. And that's something to keep an eye on. Is that going to happen again this year? Are we still going to see these crazy mandates or just crazy outbreaks and teams not playing for multiple weeks? And I got a team that's, you know, 18 and 4 versus a team that's 9 and 3. Like, we got to be on the same page. Hopefully, there's no outbreaks and everyone can play a similar amount of games because that makes it very very difficult when you're really comparing apples to oranges where a team is you know just now hitting their stride versus another team that's uh you know maybe one practice in or something just like it's so crazy with everything that happened last year hopefully it's more normal but with all that being said uh class a public it's it's going to be anybody's ball game and I think that is uh, it really comes as to no surprise just with the amount of graduation. All our top t- top teams last year graduating their top players, so there's a lot of turnover for these teams that were really good last year, and I think that's going to lead to some teams that were solid, good last year, but could really take that next step just with cohesion coming back. A dark horse in this classification? Uh, you know, everybody's a dark horse, I think. Everybody's a favorite, I don't know. Uh, I would say Claxton, though. Uh, Claxton could be an interesting team out of Region 3. 13-5 a season ago. Actually was able to catch them in person. Not that bad. I think they have some pieces. They have some size. Uh, I think Anaya Smith averaged close to 14 points per game as a junior. Uh, uh, Well, as a sophomore last year, a junior this year. But they do have their top four back. I think they'll be pretty strong. And especially with ECI out of the mix, um, Princess Harden is gone. I think that opens up Region Three beautifully for Claxton to kind of slide in and take that, take that leadership role and kind of carry that that mantle as a top team to beat in Region Three. Um, let's look at a couple teams that missed out on the top ten. Greenville, I know they're upset on Facebook. Fifteen and one a re- uh, a season ago, uh, they lose four of their top five starters. So I I think Greenville will be okay. Uh, I don't think it's anything crazy to say that I need to see what you do this year. You lose four of your top five starters. Amanda Ogletree is back, averaged 16 points per game. But when you lose uh, the Leslie sisters and Purdue, like you lose a lot, like pretty much all your production from last year. But they do have Ogletree. Now it just um, depends on what is around her. Wouldn't be surprised if they do end up kind of, you know, battling with Central Talbotin for that region or even surpassing them at some point. But, I mean, it's it's just so it's so wide open. Nothing would surprise me at this point. But they definitely do have to prove themselves after losing four of their top five players. Um, next, another team in Region 5, Taylor County, 10-6. and six. Uh, They do have a junior in uh, Jalea Zachary back that averaged uh, over 13 points and close to 11 rebounds per game. So you have a double-double threat that's back. I think Taylor County... Uh, they lose their number one score, but they do have some back as well. Um, you're looking at a Region 3 team in Screven County, 11-9 last year. But again, ECI, they're wiped out. Claxton, probably the team to beat, I would imagine. But Screven, top five are back, led by a sophomore, Aaliyah uh, Scott, over 11 points per game last year. Again, I'm leaning on who do you have back. If you have a lot back from last year, Theoretically speaking, you would hope that they can take a little bit of a jump and get into the top 10. So I like Scriven County to be a, a pretty good team this year. And lastly, Hancock Central out of Region 7 had them in there, but then just remembered how 
bad Region 7 was last year. It was a bad region outside of GMC who graduates everything. Um, but I do think Hancock can be a, a little bit of a tricky team, 9-4. and four. But goodness gracious, we saw what happened to them in the first round uh, last year, 62-34 blowout loss to Mount Zion Carrollton, and that was Mount Zion going to Hancock, going to Sparta. So it's a bad region, um, but they do have two solid players. Jamaria Lawrence averaged 12 points per game, and the uh, big five foot ten post presence, Jalexia Hargrove, averaged over 11 points per game. Both those two seniors, so you got a nice inside-out um, option right there. Hargrove, solid player, getting some NAIA interest, can score with her back to the basket, and especially having her... Uh, you know, she's not 6'2", but about 5'10", just having a, a post presence in Class A public that can score inside really can lead to some nice things and some easy opportunities. So that wraps up our GHSA Girls Preseason State Rankings podcast, trying to break down some things that were on the website behind the paywall, some stuff not on the website behind the paywall, but just trying to shed some light on everything that's going on in the state. I know it's been so long since my last podcast, but I do appreciate everyone coming back and listening to Spielin' and Dealin'. Should be a fun season. Hopefully I'm able to hit a groove and really get on this podcast a lot throughout the year. I know the first first day of the season, well, I guess second day, but the first Saturday of the season, 11-13, Sandy Spiel tip-off classic gets the season going. Three boys games, three girls games. We'll be at West Forsyth High School. All that information will be available on sandyspiel.com. But that wraps it up. Should be a fun year. We'll see how much I know, how much I don't know, how many transfers that were you know, hidden throughout the offseason. But either way, as always, it's going to be a great GHSA basketball season. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. And please don't forget to subscribe to sandyspiel.com for more insight like this. Don't have to listen to my grading voice. You can listen to it. Well, you can just read it, actually, on the website via print. So I appreciate you. Look forward to talking to you soon. Keep an ear open for the boys' preseason podcast coming out soon.